Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Election Day is November 6th, so before we start the show, we just want to encourage you, if you have not done so already, to register to vote! It is your civic duty, and there are deadlines for voting registrations, and they do vary state by state. So go to USA.gov right now, look up your state, figure out when your deadline is, and register. And then don't forget to get your butt to the polls on November 6th. You can also sign up to get an absentee ballot if you can't make it that day. So mm-hmm. whatever you yep. got to do, it's easy if you know how to get that information. So USA.gov, do it. Treat your country. Treat it. <laughs> you are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Yeah, sure. You bet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. I'm Amanda. And before we get to the show, we've got a couple of butt plugs. Let's plug our butts. Let's let's plug it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Quick, before something goes horribly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Plug it now. (laughs) Plug the hole. Oh, God. She's going down. Fire Um, in the hole. (laughs) <laughs> I did have Panera for lunch. There oh, is no. fire in the hole. <laughs> okay. Um, Broccoli on- cheese soup. It's about the same coming out. Am I right? Stanch the flow. Okay. <laughs> on that note, don't you want to be in the same room as us? <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> this episode will air uh, actually the same day as our New York live show on Thursday, November 1st. I'm already nauseous with anxiety. We're vomiting (laughs) as we speak. (laughs) I haven't slept in days. Nope. Um, Okay, I don't know. We're recording this ahead of time. There might still be a couple of tickets left uh, to the show tonight. Uh, That's Thursday, November 1st at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Doors open at 6.30. Show starts at 7. It is a 21-plus event. Um, There's a bar. You can buy wine. You can buy other alcohol. Um, Mm. You can buy snacks. I checked. What? I will be buying snacks. There are (laughs) snacks? There are snacks. Oh, there are snacks. For purchase. Are there hot dogs? I don't oh know. My God. Um, <laughs> uh, we will be selling some limited merch, right? I think, yes. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. if there's time, we will be signing babies and kissing posters at the end. So, LOL, see what she did there? Get it? <laughs> get it? <laughs> but please don't bring your baby to the show. <laughs> no, don't. Please. It's 21, 21 plus. 21, 21 plus. 21 months. Unless your baby is still inside you, you can't bring your baby to this show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But we'll um, and gladly kiss your belly. Oh, God. <laughs> With consent. Yeah, With obviously. Consent. Always. Okay, and then also on Saturday, November 3rd, we will be in D.C. as part of the brand new Death Becomes Us True Crime Festival put on by yeah. Brightest Young Thangs. I'm We're so excited. We're very excited to be part of this. Yes. It's 
So cool. We're so pumped. What are the other podcasts that are going to be there? How did this get made? Yeah. (laughs) Last podcast on the left. (laughs) Buzzfeed Unsolved. Unsolved. And we're staying at the freaking Watergate Hotel. That is, I might be most excited for that. (laughs) I can't wait. In room number, blah, blah, blah. Um, So that, again, that is Saturday, November 3rd. It is, the show starts at 6.15 p.m. It is at the George Washington University Listener Auditorium. So, very sexy venue. Um, We're excited. Mm -hmm. The biggest (laughs) venue we have ever and likely will ever do a show in. So, come see it. It will be max 10% full. (laughs) Please fill seats. Um, You can, uh, there are links to buy tickets for either show uh, on our website, wineandcrimepodcast.com. Go to the live page and uh, then there are links you can Mm -hmm. click to buy tickets. Okay, that is one butt plug. And Mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. I am cramming in this other butt plug uh, just because I want to. So I, it's been a rough few weeks. We're recording this right after the Kavanaugh bullshit. Uh Uh-huh. And um, I've been looking into things to do for self-care and I have found an amazing podcast. It is called Forever 35. Oh, so good. You guys, it's so good. It's these two ladies. It's Kate Spencer and Dory Shafrir. And they're super just like relate, hashtag relatable content. And they are just two friends that like to talk about serums and like skincare regimens and like yoga and meditation and gratitude journals and also like therapy and couples therapy and like just mm-hmm. everything and taking real baths. shit like yeah just real, real shit real shit and they do regular episodes with a guest who are always like super accomplished fabulous women and then they have like listener episodes too where listeners can call in with questions about self-care stuff and it's just so freaking relaxing I'm obsessed. So go check out Forever 35 podcast. Love it. Do All it. Right. Treat so your ears. Treat yourself. Just some self-care, y'all. Just be gentle mm-hmm. with yourselves. And if that means listening to a podcast about skincare regimens in the bathtub with a glass of wine and candles. 100% it does. <laughs> yeah. And a face mask. Hell yeah. Live in your best life. Korean okay. sheet masks forever. <laughs> <laughs> Hyaluronic acid. Okay, (laughs) all the butt plugs are now over, and I'm sick of talking. So, does one of you want to introduce this week's very special fan pick episode? Sure. Oh my God, do it, Lucy. This week's very special fan pick, aren't they all, is (laughs) from our listener Colette Smith, who came up with a very titillating topic. Mm -hmm. I was ultra excited about this, so obviously it it has to do with forensics. Mm -hmm. Today we're going to be talking about forensic anthropology. Mm. This one was so deliciously nerdy. It was really good. Also, I was probably 90% of the way through my notes when I panicked and thought, that the topic was actually forensic archaeology, and I had just been researching the totally wrong thing for a while. 
But it's not. It's forensic anthropology. One of one of my like most embarrassing moments happened in college when my friend who was an archaeology major, and I knew that, and I know what archaeology is, and I know what anthropology is, but I fucking mixed it up and went on this long rant about how we've been like studying his major in one of my classes, and he was like, "Really." And I was like, yeah. And then I went on this like long rant about anthropology and he was just like, yeah, that's not what I do. (laughs) (sighs) It was fun. They're easy to mix up. Okay. So for forensic. Kenyon misunderstood the assignment. (laughs) Big time. What else? I was high. (laughs) It's fine. Um, Did you say I was high? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hi, mom. (laughs) Sudafed. <laughs> You're the least drug usy one of the three of us. I you really am not high. <laughs> I it was like a little bit of weed, but I'm not a not a big drug usy. You person. just like your pills. You're a pill I gal. D- I'm a I'm a vitamins gal. Okay, moving <laughs> on. Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for forensic anthropology? I'm high too, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the case. That's my secret. I'm always high. Um, I'm not. Hi, Mom. Hi, Kenyon's mom. So today we are drinking the Forma de Vida Verdejo from Wink Wine Club. Yes. And that translation can go in a couple of ways. It literally means like shape of life, form of life. Mm. Mm. What does Verdejo Um, mean? Verdejo is a grape varietal for wine. Oh, okay. It's a wine. I've had it before and it's lovely. I thought it meant something. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it does. Yeah, all right. But I'm not willing to look that deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from our <laughs> friends at Wink Wine Club. They're one of our first and a most amazing sponsors to stick around with us mm-hmm. for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, they must not listen shit. to the show. Yeah, yeah, they put up with our shit and they're so great and accommodating. And they provide an amazing service, which literally delivers wine to your home. Mm-hmm. So they're a fairy godmother. Yeah, Mm -hmm. life can't get much better than that. So they have an amazing inventory of really, really cool varietals that you can check out on their website. Um, If you use the little code trywink.com forward slash gals, you're going to get set up for $20 off your first box of wine through Wink Wine Club. You can put as many wines as you want in that cart. You can go completely cuckoo bananas bonkers. All you need are four or more wines in your cart for them to take care of the shipping, which is also just another added layer of convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you can take a little quiz to see if there's uh, some taste that you're more into than others, or if you just know what you want, you can go in there, you can find it, you can put it in your box, and you can have it sent to your house or your work or wherever's the most convenient for you. So once again, that's trywink, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S. If it's your first time ordering through them, you get $20 off with that promo code. You can also gift wine to people as well. You can. I've done that. I've sent wine to my sister and my mom. Mm -hmm. It's really great. I send wine to my husband who conveniently Mm -hmm. lives in the same location as me. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) And mostly drinks beer. Are cheating the system. It and works I out. Love it. It works out. <laughs> Living for it. So this is a medium-bodied dry white with notes of citrus, nectarine, and pineapple. Yummer. Mm. Yeah. 
gimme, gimme, gimme. This is a perfect sipper for the change of the seasons, in my opinion, because it worked and does work so well in the heat, just as like a standalone wine that you drink on a patio. But it also pairs so beautifully with like slow cooked spicy foods. Mm. And that is the season that we are in right now. Now, Chili. this is one of those really cool white wines where you could drink this with like crock pot carnitas tacos. <gasps> yeah, it's gonna yeah. stand up really well to like spicy, like a spicy risotto. You can do this with seafood, like a you masala. Oh, God, this would mm-hmm. be such a great wine with really any of those phenomenal dishes. So I love mm-hmm. it because it's super, super versatile. It has a lot of flavor to it, a lot of body for a white, and it can stand up to a lot of different uh, foods. So if you're not into the whole, like, must have a Cabernet with a steak kind of thing, <laughs> I would highly <laughs> recommend checking out Verdejo because it's such a versatile variety. I love it. Cool. Um, This is a California take on a Spanish varietal. It's grown in Lodi, California. And Lodi has a Mediterranean climate similar to that along the Mediterranean Sea. So it's great because it has those warm days and cool nights, which make it a perfect stateside location to grow grapes of this caliber. So things that are going to do well in Spain or in the Mediterranean and that kind of climate are going to do well in this particular region of California, which is Why so cool. California is such a cool state. We live there. It has like a million different freaking weather climate zones. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't wait till um, we do a California tour and just make mm-hmm. 75 stops in and around like <laughs> Napa, Sonoma. hundred percent. Three month tour with two yeah. shows. We're yeah. going to be on the road a long time. 50 square miles. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, this area is best known for its old vine Zinfandel, but it also produces a large quantity of Merlot, Chardonnay, Cabernet, and Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. Is it a papper uh, or a cracker? Yeah, this is like 14.6% ABV. It's a I- papper. Oh, it's a papper. And like many of the wines from Wink, it doesn't have foil on it. It makes me so happy. So you can just go ahead and take your nice pop winged corkscrew without having to cut your hand on the foil wrapper that Mm -hmm. so many wineries like to put on their bottles. I get it. It's pretty. But oh, my God, it hurts when it cuts you. And it always cuts me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm tired of it. (laughs) She's had enough, people. She's She's had had enough. All All right. Here we go. Oh, nice cap. Finger licking pap. <laughs> Pretty good stuff. All well, right. Cheers. Cheers. Lucy. Love what it. What is our background in psych and nerding the fuck out about forensic anthropology? <laughs> okay. So. Kenyon, this is directed mm. at you. Mm. <laughs> the definition of anthropology is <laughs> digging around <laughs> Thank God. in the dirt for bones. Thank God. We all need this. <laughs> uh, anthropology is a beautiful high-end lifestyle clothing store. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, Amazing. it is, but <laughs> their spinoff store is where I purchased my wedding wares. dress. It is overpriced, but, but it's, it's so, so pretty. <laughs> I know. (laughs) Uh, No, anthropology with a Y is the study of human biological and psychological characteristics and their evolution. Mm -hmm. So anthropology covers human societies, cultures, languages, as well as physical characteristics. 
So tack forensic onto that. Mm-hmm. Forensic anthropology is a specific subfield of anthropology, which is the study of human remains, usually in a criminal investigation or like a legal context. Mm-hmm. For- okay. Forensic anthropologists figure out who died, how they died, and when they died by analyzing skeletal remains and utilizing archaeological techniques like excavation. Mm, oh, so they they, it is tied in. Also, when do the so dinosaurs it is come Jurassic in? Park? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will get to how it ties in because yes, it does tie in, which okay. does not excuse your your tangent in college. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> your THC inspired rant. Nick, oh, Nick I'm so embarrassed if you're listening. I know your wife Emma is probably listening. Uh, oh, they're it's listening. Like, it like is that conversation like is the thing that haunts me when I'm trying to fall asleep. <laughs> Out of all of the things that haunt you, it's that. I know. It doesn't <laughs> seem like a big one, but it's just really just really in there. Yeah, I could name like 10 more embarrassing Great. things that have yeah. happened to you. Please, please do. <laughs> and I will list them now. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon content. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, it is important to note that forensic anthropologists specialize in hard tissues like bones as opposed to fresher death analysis that might fall to just a regular old pathologist. Mm, that and this sense. could be... This could be because the body is old as fuck or that it's been burned or mutilated or is otherwise unrecognizable because of a lack of soft tissue. Mm, Okay. So we're mostly dealing with skeletons here. Okay. Several modern examples of forensic anthropology and its application that I found was related in circumstances like genocide or mass graves or plane crashes. So those are some examples where it would it doesn't necessarily have to do with like, you know, a, a mummified right. servant from the mm-hmm. 11th century. That's definitely the first thing I think of when I think of forensic anthropology: a mummified serpent. Servant. servant. <laughs> I thought you said serpent. Human it's remains. Like, why? Well, yeah, that's why I was so confused. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Now I don't feel so bad. Okay. Within forensic anthropology, there are three subsections. So the first one is forensic osteology. Mm. Do you guys know what that means? I have no idea. You can assume pretty safely that any of the words you're about to say, I do not know. (laughs) It's fun to have you guess, though. (laughs) Osteology. This should be easy. The study of ostriches. Osteoporosis. (laughs) Bones. Bones. The study of milk. The study of skeletons. Fine. The The study study of Sally Field. Jamie Lee Curtis. (laughs) (laughs) It's Sally Field that's in the Boniva commercials. It's Jamie Lee Curtis that's in the Activia commercials. She's worried about her bowels. (laughs) She's worried about her bones. Bowels and bones bowels and bowels. And bowels. <laughs> Stanch that flow. Okay. Um, forensic archaeology. Kenyon, did you care to define? <laughs> dinosaur bones. That's the one with dinosaurs. <laughs> it involves the controlled collection of human remains. So like well, collecting the remains, archaeology, like digging, excavation. Creepy. And then the last one is forensic taphonomy. 
Got a guess? T A P H. Extraction of taffeta gowns from mm. a grandmother's moth ridden closet. Using <laughs> the legs and feet of a skeleton to tap dance. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I would be all about that. Tapology. No. Tapology. <laughs> I think that's when you like make maple syrup. Mm. Forensic taphonomy is the study of changes to the body after death, including decomposition and environmental modification. So like mm. soil, water, bugs, animals, weather. wind, plants, mm. yeah, climate, weather, etc. Um, something else cool that I learned about taphonomy is that it is split into two categories. You have biotaphonomy, which is the study of how the environment affects the decomposition of a body, and geotaphonomy, which is the study of how the decomposition of a body affects the environment. Oh, mm. my God. Goes both ways, people. Yeah. So that can That's affect cool. um, soil pH levels, plant growth. Etc. And both of those things studied in tandem can give a uh, forensic taphonomist a really good idea of when that person died because they're studying the body and the environment. I I just thought that was really cool. That is really cool. I like it a lot. Okay. Oh, I like it. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) stop me. Somebody stop me. Somebody I want to go as them. the mask for Halloween so bad. You just put paint your face green and you're there. Oh, yeah. I don't even need a mask. I just look like that. <laughs> oh, natural, baby. Oh, my God. Okay. So speaking of mummified serpents, here, is, of an, the mask. here is an example of a case solved by forensic anthropologist uh, an, a forensic anthropology analysis from the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History. Mm. In 2001, a skeleton was found buried with a large piece of pottery identified as part of a milk pan. Mm. The clandestine grave was beneath trash in the cellar of a 17th century farm home in Maryland. Creepy, creepy, Ske- creepy. S- I know, right? Skeletal analysis revealed that the bones belonged to a teenage boy of European ancestry. He had suffered Ooh. hard labor, poor nutrition, and perimortem trauma. So peri- perimortem means something that occurred at the time of death. So okay. if you have perimortem trauma, it's likely that that trauma is what killed that person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that trauma was bone fractures that occurred at or near the time. Oh, I just said that at or near the time of death. Experts conclude that he was probably an indentured servant serpent who was secretly <laughs> buried by the family after his mistreatment resulted in his death. That is so sad. So just thinking about the Clutching fact that a he milk was pan. Yeah, buried with a piece of a milk pan. They could tell how old he was. That he had European ancestry, so basically that he was, like, white European. Um, He had a lifetime of hard labor, poor nutrition, and then that trauma. So all of those things are things that forensic anthropologists can study and identify and then conclusively estimate what what they died of. Right. That's really cool. Like, this kid was not having the best life. No, no. There was also recently a case of the discovery of the skeleton of a 14-year-old girl near Jamestown. Do you guys remember this? 
Nope. No. Oh, you might in just a second. Dr. Douglas Owlsley, or Owlsley, studied the skeleton and its locational context and concluded that she had been cannibalized during the winter of 1609 to 1610 by her fellow colonists. So they had some proof that that winter in particular was really, really rough on the colonists, but... Did she have bite marks on her bones? She had, like, knife... Like yeah, like marks. Ni- knife marks that that showed that there was like meat being scraped off of her. Oh God! Skeleton. Oh God! Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, don't judge it until you've lived it. What? <laughs> <laughs> the winter of sixteen oh nine, sixteen ten. Don't judge Canyon. it until you've lived it. I don't oh, have a problem my God. with emergency cannibalism. I would one thousand percent eat a person, especially if I were in a life and death situation, but not necessarily. <laughs> See, she's worse than me. I'd I eat c- either of you in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so some things that a forensic anthropologist might look for include the stages of development um, in parts of the body, like the teeth, the skull, and the leg bones, for example, to discover how old the person was. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I learned recently, you know how babies have a soft spot, that fontanelle? Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that sort of, it's like it's kind of like a gap, and it closes up over time. So... If you're over the age of like like 18 or 20, there's some age where like that gap the, you cannot see a crease in there anymore. Mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at the skull, you can determine just this one crease on the back of the skull, you can determine whether they were basically how old they were based on how um healed up it was. Huh. Weird. Um, you, they would look at a person's pelvis to determine if it was male or female. Day. Uh-huh. Signs of trauma or injury such as bullet holes, knife cuts, or scrapes, like we just talked about, or unhealed fractures that might indicate perimortem injuries. So again, at the time of death, uh-huh. uh, which would be a good indicator as to the cause of death. And and just as far as we're talking about these injuries and how you might be able to tell when they occurred on a skeleton. An antemortem fracture, so that would be something that happened before their death, will show signs of healing, mm. while a paramortem fracture will appear clean, like a clean cut, and a postmortem break or fracture will appear brittle because those bones will already have been effectively Dying. dead. They would have been dead yeah. when that happened. And if it's the, the injury that killed you, then you're not alive to start the healing process. So that would make sense why it's all clean when mm-hmm. it's the perimortem or whatever. Yeah. So they're still like relatively like alive or like, you know, they have enough right. in them that it's that it's not a brittle fracture. It's like a mm-hmm. just a break. Standard mm-hmm. break. Cool. Um, that makes abnor- sense. they they would look for abnormalities in the size, shape, or density in bones that could be a good sign a sign of disease. Because, you know, maybe these people just died of disease or, like, bone cancer or something. Diet can be determined by the teeth, as can social and lifestyle behaviors. They could tell if this person had a diet of, like, nuts and bark and Mm -hmm. sharp shit. Nuts and bolts. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Good good one. Good one. (laughs) I hate you. Um, Okay, this one... (laughs) This one, 
before you jump all over my ass when I start talking about it, just hold tight because we're going to circle back. Um, they hold also, your asses tight. They also look at skull shape and in particular the jaw, and that can help determine ancestry. For example, an individual of European ancestry versus African versus Amazonian versus Asian. So I read this and it just reeked of eugenics. So I'm just going to talk about that for a second. This skull size and jaw, like mandible size and, um, yeah, well, size and shape, that is an imprecise science, of course, and it is controversial because of racist undertones and the fact that we can date it back to the 19th century practice of skull measuring to prove Caucasian intellectual superiority. Ick. Mm-hmm. Also, I did some more research on this, and there are three historical ancestral groups that, as far as I know, are still universally referred to as Caucasian, Mongoloid, and oh Negroid. I oh, did no. not realize that those terms were still in use. They are. In the U.S., these terms have been widely labeled as politically incorrect because no fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so scientists more often use the terms white, black, and Asian but, like, the fact that a lot of papers still use the words mongoloid and negroid is really repulsive and also makes me think I've heard that the word Caucasian is, like, totally not an appropriate way to describe a white person either. But, like, That's, I don't know. Who cares? Obviously not That's, as much as mongoloid and negroid, right. I would think. In the so. grand scheme of things, we can take a little we can deal with it (laughs) yeah yeah Mm. i can say it because i am white Mm -hmm. um so yeah going back to forensic anthropology they can even though it's imprecise and obviously people don't fall always neatly into these largely made up categories there could be some clues to the person's ancestry based on like yeah, there is a little characteristics. There is a, some amount of truth to it, but the problem is you're painting with a very wide brush. So mm-hmm. like trends in the way that humans are physiologically formed over time in different areas of the world, that might be accurate for like 10 to 15% of the population in that in that society, but not you everyone. can't you cannot look at a skull and say, "Oh, that jaw is wider, that person was from you know the Amazon, right? You can you could, it's, you could it's put something a to look at on it. It's something to look at, but just the the propensity of like <laughs> racist undertones when you're talking about that is just I don't know. I didn't. I don't really feel comfortable relying on that as like hard and hard and factual. Well, it's only one know. piece of the puzzle, right? It's like looking at a singular puzzle piece and going, "Oh, well, I know exactly what this entire puzzle image is," and mm-hmm. maybe you're right. I know, but maybe like you it, did I, guess it right from that one little hint, but like uh, overwhelmingly, that's not going to be the identifying factor. Yeah, correct. And it, I don't, I don't think that it should hold as much. No. I don't think that it should hold as much water as some of these other strategies that they use to identify the person's no. identity. No. Um, okay, so studying and recording the findings of a forensic anthropologist, they usually photograph and X-ray the remains. Um, even sometimes doing a CT scan or looking through super high-powered microscopes to both examine the bones and also take photos of them to study later and for, like, research purposes. They might use mitochondrial DNA testing and uh, to establish relationships either to 
relatives that are alive now or relatives that are dead and maybe like a group of people that were found near them or in the same village or whatever. Sure, sure. Mm. They can use isotopic chemical analysis to determine the person's age and diet. So that's like chemical reaction stuff that I didn't really get into. Cool. They can do digital facial reconstruction, which is a cool technique for superimposing a computer-generated face from the shape and contours of a skull. And then they also might sometimes, well, how they used to do it before we had computer generating programs that are worth a shit, they would make them themselves out of clay, Mm -hmm. which you'd Mm -hmm. have to be like really, really skilled and artistic to be able to (laughs) do that, I feel. Yeah. I feel like I'd be good at it. (laughs) Very precise. Yeah, my case involves that, and it looks really cool in their photos. It's really cool to watch people doing that. Um, They also might take a very, very thinny, thin, thin slice of bone to examine its histology, which is looking at tissues and cells. Thinny, thin, thin. Thinny, thin, thin. That would be how they would determine, like, if that person had bone cancer, which I mentioned earlier, for example. Mm -hmm. They sometimes have to use a preservative to keep the skeletal materials nice and clean. I assume they just apply a thin coat of clear nail polish. Right. Of course. Wow. That's what I do. Also works on small tears in tights. Yes. Oh, that's right. Runs in stockings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pantyhose. Mm -hmm. Also, Mod Podge, I feel, would be good. Mm -hmm. Um, And then here's my favorite, my favorite part. Forensic anthropologists sometimes work on the rehydration and preservation of mummified or decayed soft tissues. Hate it. (laughs) I want to rehydrate a corpse so fucking bad, you guys. You super missed your calling and like maybe you need to go back to school. I know. I feel like you still haven't mummified that hot dog yet. I haven't. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as I get a hot dog into my house, it's gone within like 24 hours. <laughs> it's yeah, into you gotta my eat mouth. It. I get that. Yeah. It's really hard to, yeah. I feel like I could also get through the mummification process and then just be kind of hungry one night and be like, eh. I was on a date last night. We were, I was talking, I don't know how this came up, but I was talking about how much I love basil, like the herb <laughs> basil. And I was like, I could put basil on a hot dog and I'd down that thing in five seconds. <laughs> a caprese hot dog. Just crickets that just staring good. at me from across the table. Like, So the date uh-huh. went well. It was great. <laughs> Once we got over the basil hump. <laughs> well, basil my hot dog and call me Shirley. This was a great date. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good though I got some I got some <laughs> oh my god amazing anyway okay, just to wrap this up I have a couple of side notes that I just sort of happened across during my research that I liked that I wanted to share um, so body farms are super important for forensic anthropologist training it is my dream to visit one I understand that they are super not open to the public but if anyone listening has some kind of hookup to a body mm-hmm. farm, for the I feel love like Universal of God, Universal Studios get in touch. is opening a public body farm. So <laughs> you just keep your eye on that. At Epcot. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking around the world and then visit the body farm <laughs> for dessert. <laughs> mm. Okay. Uh, forensic birthday. anthropologists were involved in identifying the victims of Ed Gein because mm-hmm. he like skinned the fuck out of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super unrecognizable. And forensic anthropologists have a, like a cool cool math formulas for determining the height of a person based on the length of their femur. 
Oh, wow. Wow. I know, right? So before they calculate this, though, they need to (laughs) figure out approximately how old the person was because after the age of 30, a person loses approximately one centimeter in height every 10 years. We're shrinking. We're already shrinking. We're shrinking. We're already shrinking. We're totally Uh, shrinking. I'm going to get one of those, like, racks. I'm going to stretch myself. I'm getting lifts. (laughs) (laughs) So if you find yourself shrinking into oblivion and are concerned about it, you might need talk space. You were just filled with existential dread because you found out that 31, you were already shrinking. (laughs) Your pregnancies are geriatric and you're already shrinking. Great. (laughs) I enjoy being a girl. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. All you need is a computer with internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app on your phone. That means you can improve your mental health even if you've had trouble making time for it in the past. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And if you're feeling overwhelmed and like you can't even imagine fitting anything else into your life, then Talkspace is pretty perfect for you. Um, Therapy is Mm -hmm. as easy as sending your therapist a message on your phone. You can get something off your chest whenever you need to. And my favorite part is that you can go back and look at previous messages and feedback that your therapist has given you for, you know, the rest of time. Mm-hmm. You can talk about everyday challenges at work or at home or just chat about life, whatever you need to talk about. There are no extra commutes, no driving past that McDonald's on your no way. No bras, no pants. No, yeah, none of it. And best of all, there's no judgments. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So the Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life's challenges that we all face. So career, kids, partners, depression, anxiety, whatever. They run the gamut. They got it all. Um, To Mm. match with the perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S, and use the promo code gals to get $45 off your first month. And this is key. It also shows your support for this show. So there's really no excuse. It's always a good time to treat your brain. Love it. Treat your brain. I chose a case out of England, which means yes. it's time for geography. Yes. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> so <laughs> this case takes place in Sheffield, which lies northeast of Grindleford and Nether Padley, uh, south of <laughs> Dungworth. An naughty bridge, more like naughty bridge, am I right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> Northwest of Killamarsh and so far south of Peniston, as to oh be. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. Peniston. Peniston, pretty irrelevant, but how could I not? <laughs> you had to. <laughs> Peniston. Peniston. I will be honeymooning in Peniston. The fuck? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the year is 2000. The place, an industrial suburb of Sheffield, England, south of Peniston. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just thousands of miles from Peniston. We just had to add it's it. It's not even on the same continent. She just had to include it. <laughs> One more time for good measure, south of Peniston. Um, all right. Two 10-year-old boys are fucking around, hanging out uh, in an area of waste ground and searching for disused copper wire that they could the resell. The Tin yeah, exactly. Which, like, fucking begs the question of whether this is, like, some sort of Dickensian nightmare. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, they're, like, all sooty. There are, <laughs> it's the year 2000, and 10-year-old boys are alone searching for copper wire to sell. Their pants I that mean, are, like, eight inches too short. Breeches. <laughs> I can't. Cowlicks. <laughs> it's just like, what is happening, England? Okay, so they come upon a large sports bag that was left on the side of an access road. Curious, they opened the bag, but rather than a treasure trove of copper wire, the bag <laughs> contains a mummified human corpse. Oh my God. Yeah. This is my the dream. Shyamalan twist. Yeah, the dream. Dead In- people. <laughs> Investigators. I want to happen upon a corpse so fucking bad, you guys. You I will. You I, b- I really believe you will creepy. someday. I believe in you. Investigators call in the help of a forensic anthropologist, adjunct professor of forensic science, Dr. Martin Evans- Evison. Woohoo! Okay. Enter Dr. Evison. Mm. Paging he- Dr. Evison. Paging Dr. Evison. <laughs> Oh, my God. Let's get Dr. Epperson on. Okay. Um, He conducts an osteological examination Mm. of the remains to, quote, construct an osteobiography. Oh, cool. Which means, like, Mm. the life story of this John or Jane Doe based entirely on the study of their bones. That is amazing. I want to be an osteobiographer. Right? An auto-osteobiography. Uh, <laughs> auto-erotic osteobiographer. <laughs> yes. I see her sole dairy intake was from Brie. <laughs> <laughs> so vast amounts of Brie. Um, okay, most obvious right off the bat is the fact that the remains were an uh, adiposerous... Is that right? Adiposerous mummy. Okay. Meaning, meaning that rather than being mummified in a typical way where the skin becomes hard and leathery, in this case, due to having been stored in a cool, moist environment, the skin was instead, quote, waxy and soap-like. Oh. <laughs> like a worry stone. No. Yeah. Worry Stop corpse. that. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is thrilling. I know. Okay. Some other important findings. The person was definitely male from the length of the femur and also also the tibia and the fibula, which are all the leg bones, um, as well as the radius. Leg bones. (laughs) (laughs) And that's to the... Ass bones. (laughs) (laughs) Butt bones. (laughs) As well as the radius ulna and humerus. 
in the arm. Uh, it was cal- <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, you're both the worst. <laughs> it was calculated that the man had been about 168 centimeters tall, which is just a little over five foot six. So he was not oh. a tall man. We're the same height. Yeah. I'm like I too have waxy soap like <laughs> skin. <laughs> I, I too am an adisipusserous mummy. I fucked that up. It's fine. Um, okay. His craniofacial dimensions, namely the quote width of his nasal aperture and width of his nasal bridge suggested, but again, this is not conclusive, but suggested that he was descended from either Europe, the Middle East, or the Indian subcontinent. Okay? Okay. Given the size of his muscle attachments, he he definitely (laughs) had been... (laughs) He was swole. He was well endowed for his five foot six frame. No, I have no idea about that. But he penis is an organ. He was definitely right handed because the like muscle tendons, whatever, in the right forearm were bigger than in the left or something. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay, there are several methods for determining approximate age of the person. One method involves taking x-rays of the thigh bones and measuring their bone density because you lose bone density as you age. You also shrink. Mm -hmm. Um, Another calls for examining the surface of where the pelvis joins the sacrum at the The base. The scrotum? No. The sacrum is that pointy part, like in the middle of yeah, your the pelvis. Scrotum. Got it. It's the like scrotum. where your it's like where your backbone ends and uh-huh, kind of tapers the scrotum. off. Yep. Why don't yep. you scream scrotum one more time just to uh-huh. cover our bases? The scrotum. So where the pelvis joins the base of the spine, and to see if these are pitted, which is mm. just, that that one grosses me out because I have chronic back pain, so that one hurts. Um, to see if what is pitted, the the joint. Oh oh okay. Ooh weird. Yeah, I think doctors are gonna go haywire and email us. Okay, a third method measures tooth root. Translucency, because yeah. as as we age, we also lose tooth density. So they like shine a light through the teeth, and the more opaque the younger the person, the more like translucent the older the person. Makes sense. Which is pretty cool. Obviously, probably diet and stuff will affect that, but I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say I know people our age that have like kind of clear teeth. <laughs> You know, right? Like yeah. they're just either thin or like there's like a calcium deficiency or something. Yeah, kind of see through them a little. It's just one of the methods. I don't know. So when Doctor Evison applied all of these techniques, he determined that the man was at a minimum middle aged, but was probably over sixty years old, at least. Okay. The osteological examination also revealed that the man had suffered from moderately severe arthritis of both the lumbar and cervical spine. And like, dude, I am so sorry. I fucking feel you. Aww. 
Um, so it would have been painful for him to walk and even turn his head. Ick, that Poor sucks. guy. Yeah. He also had pretty severe degeneration of his knuckle joints, which would have caused painful bone-on-bone contact in his fingers. Yikes. (laughs) And he almost certainly would have had to seek medical treatment for these conditions, so medical records could be an important lead in this case for identifying the body. Um. Also in the hands, it was clear that at some point the man had lost the tip of a finger and the bone, the bone had remodeled beneath the missing joint. So that would be an anti or a, yeah, antemortem injury where the bone had a chance to like heal, heal and, and, and adapt basically. Yeah. Hate it. Love it. Isn't this this cool? It's like a gecko's tail. Yeah. I I think it's so cool. This case was, there was just like so many little details that was like it all like linked together like a puzzle, including this next part. Quote, his feet were interesting. (laughs) He had bunions on both big toes. Oh, no. (laughs) I know. Bunions freak me out. Treatment for bunions involves fusing the joint by inserting a screw, which I did not know. (laughs) And an x-ray revealed that the man had had bunion treatment, and there was a type of screw in his left big toe that hadn't been used for about 30 years in, like, most medical practices. So he'd had this treatment, uh, you know, at least 30 years ago. But his, while his right big toe showed signs of having been fused in the past, no screw was present anymore. What? Where That's was weird. the bunion screw? <laughs> Where did it go? Oh, no. What have you done with it? My screw. Was it made out of copper wire? Because I have a theory. (laughs) Isn't that so fucking cool? All right. So a couple more things. A bony projection developed in the man's elbow indicated that he'd probably flexed his right arm constantly, maybe hundreds of times per day over many, many years. He worked in an apple factory. Well, so this type of habitual movement provides clues about the dead man's possible occupation. So something that involves like a very like routine mechanical repeat motion. Yeah, like factory maybe. Yeah, he he wasn't a desk job, we know. Um, And last but not least, another habit had worn down the man's molars and caused some of his tooth enamel to dissolve, suggesting that he regularly chewed a substance that could cause both physical and chemical abrasion of the teeth. Mm. Possibly Mm. chewing tobacco? Oh, who knows? But that shit's nasty. Bing long. To the max. Right. Bing long. Anyone who's been to China. Hey, I have a question, though. Just something that's been bothering me ever since you said it. You said that the muscle uh, connections told them that he was Mm right-handed. Would that suggest that he was literate or able to write 
or are people right or left-handed even if they can't even if they don't write? Hmm. Um, I think you are still right or left-hand dominant even if writing is even if you don't use your hand to write, I think you still have a dominance. Yeah, I just can't think of, like, too many activities that you do with only one hand or the other that's not writing. Or coloring cat coloring sheets. Well, that's just because of, like, (laughs) modern life, but, like, throwing, catching, you know. Yeah, you're right. using Using a weapon, using a knife, using a sword. I mean, this, the remains suggested that this was, like, a modern man. This was not, like, an ancient mummified corpse. Yeah, just something to think about. Yeah. Okay. Osteological examination now complete. Dr. Evison and his team constructed a facial approximation model out of clay. So yes, go check out. they did. Check out some photos on the drive, y'all. Ooh. Great. Can't wait to be creeped out. Oh, that first oh, photo there on there go. is the boy with the milk pan, by the way. I see it. Dang, that is creepy as fuck when it's not yeah. fully finished. <laughs> Mine uses, my case uses one of these models as well, and it is so weird mm-hmm. to watch the process. I it's like the so one cool. where it kind of looks like his eyes are egg yolks. Yeah. Uh, they are look what? like balls Eggos? of dough. Oh, egg yeah. yolks. Egg yolks, oh, yeah. Oh, I heard egg Sunny side up eggs mm-hmm. that yeah, that's maybe have rotted. Terrifying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so the final reconstructed head was televised and printed in newspapers uh, throughout the UK. Detective Superintendent Bob Vary, who led the inquiry, told reporters, I was always confident the facial reconstruction would crack the case. And he was right. Woo-hoo! Yes, he was. Oh, my so- God, Quinn. Go, oh Bob Vary. Woo! <laughs> Go, Detective Superintendent Bob Berry. Um, soon, someone recognized the face and called police to say that he looked like an old acquaintance that he hadn't seen in a couple of years. Oh, uh, God. Oh, no. Last seen inside a duffel bag. Always mm. check on your friends that you haven't seen in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just saying. Unless they fucked your ex-boyfriend and you're not talking anymore. Right. Fuck that. (laughs) Then they can die. (laughs) Then I I hope they end up in a duffel bag. Okay. (laughs) The witness named uh, Muhammad Nasser Ali, a 75-year-old Yemeni immigrant who'd come to the UK in the early 1960s as, as this person. Medical records for Ali confirmed all of the forensic anthropologist's findings, including the past bunion treatment. Ooh. <laughs> the bunions are the key. It hinged <laughs> on the bunions. But it actually kind of did, though, because uh, the fact that at one point the screw in the right big toe had become infected and had to be removed. But- Oh my so then god. It that really so did cool. hinge on the bunion treatment. You nasty. <laughs> <laughs> that shit nasty. Um, 
<laughs> Ali had worked for many years as a buffer in a cutlery factory, which required him to manually polish knives, forks, and spoons mm. on a buffing wheel, which required constant flexion of his right arm. Okay, so that swole muscle. Yeah, mm-hmm. and one day he got too close to the buffing wheel and it lopped off a fingertip. Oh my god. The missing fingertip. It, the bunion, though. The bunion. If it's not him, I'm done. We're cutting you off. It is. And this no, show is over, and we're never doing the podcast again. I'm not doing that big of a Shyamalan twist. Don't and worry. And there are too many bunions in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, suspects. Police questioned Mr. Ali's son, 43-year-old Hassan, and he tells them that his elderly father is alive and well, living in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Uh-uh. Um, uh-uh. Which, uh-uh. Dead, not found. Dead, yeah. not found. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> from Richie Rich. Dead, oh. not found. <laughs> Dead, not found. You are horrible. <laughs> uh-uh. Someone out you there. You didn't say the magic word. Magic word. That's from Jurassic Park. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Someone but, out there's really going to love that dad not found <laughs> reference. And I'm on Twitter ready for it. <laughs> ready for your praise. Mm-hmm. I'll okay. take it in heaps and bounds. <laughs> Plain. <All right>. But, <laughs> but, but Hassan is suspicious. As fuck, and eventually the police are able to arrest both him and his teenage son, Kassan, Ali's oh, no. grandson. It's a it's a family affair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. So after a series of interviews, the teenager Kassan cracks and tells police that his grandfather died and he'd helped his father bury him in a makeshift tomb in their cellar basement. No. no, sure didn't. Mm. Confronted with his son's revelations, Hassan uh, admitted in August 1998 that his father, who was 73 years old at the time, had, quote, fallen on a knife during a oh, fight. Oh, okay. Literally no one's ever fallen on knife. a knife. He ran he, into my knife ten yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... And that the fight had been over, what else? Money. I was going to say family money. Yep. So, of course, forensics proved that Ali's injuries were no accident and that he had not fallen on a knife because, in fact, uh, the remains revealed that his throat had been slit from ear to ear. Oh. He could have fallen on his throat on the knife, and then in the struggle, and rubbed his stop, stop yeah. rolled and rubbed his neck against the knife. It, it could have like, been an it owl. It could have been an owl. Owl theory. <laughs> I'm here for it. And probably Hassan was pissed that Ali spent all of his money on bunion surgery. Yeah, right? like come on, <laughs> can't even keep it's their, all making can't sense. Can't even hold to on me. to your bunion screws, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Use your HSA for Christ's sake. You think bunion screws grow on anymore. trees? Oh, good one. Good one. Yeah. No, because okay. they have to be galvanized. Ugh. Okay. Moving on. So uh, what happened? <laughs> Apparently, Ali had sold his home in the UK, made a little bit of profit from the sale, and was sending a lot of that money back to extended relatives back in Yemen. Um, 
And he had also expressed a desire now that he was, what did I say, 73, 75, one of those, um, to retire back in Yemen and even remarry. He had dreams. He had dreams. Uh, He had worked his whole life polishing knives, like let the man live. And then he fell on one. Yeah. (laughs) That's sad. So isn't it ironic? Um, uh, None of this went over well with his middle-aged son, who was upset over what he saw as his dwindling inheritance. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Fucking deal. Yep. You're not entitled to your parents' money. No. Nope. That's not yours. Like, maybe you'll get it. Maybe they'll donate all of it to a library. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not yours. Maybe you'll get a fucking job and learn how to support yourself, you lazy son of a bitch. Well, he he was a lazy son of a bitch. I'm not speaking to anyone in particular. Like collecting (laughs) copper wire. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Hassan cut his father's throat and then with the help of his teenage son, who was 17 at the time, wrapped wrapped the body... He's of, of his dead grandfather, wrapped the body, folded it in a fetal position, covered it in a floral settee cover. Jesus. Like they ripped the cover off the couch and wrapped him up in it. Mm-hmm. And then also heavy-duty plastic. The pair then buried the body in the makeshift sand tomb in their cellar, where it remained hidden until October 1999. Good Lord. At that point, Hassan decided he wanted to sell the house, so he and Hassan dug up the body, poured diesel fuel over it, wrapped it in plastic again and eider down, and stuffed it in a sports bag and dumped it on the waste ground. What's eider down? Eider down, I think, is like like a duvet insert. Like batting? I'm going to Google it. I think it's... Like the stuff that's like in jackets. It's like down. Yeah. Small soft feathers from the breast of a duck. Or yeah, it's owl. A, it's a, oh. It's a quilt filled with owl feathers. With owl theories. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a duvet. All right. Uh, they were confident that the extensive decomposition would prevent investigators from ever identifying the remains. Ha! <laughs> LOL. They clearly knew nothing of forensic anthropology. They were confident the dumpster fire would burn all the remains and no one could be identified by their teeth pulp. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's always the pulp. Mm -hmm. Or the bunion screws. And or. So... We're gonna we're gonna have merch. I really liked that. Yeah, I guess. We're gonna have merch where I wanna just open like... a bar called the Pulp and Screw and it's a it's a forensic themed bar. With fresh fresh juiced screwdrivers. Yeah, everything is freshly juiced. Come on down to the pulp and screw. Pulp and screw. Oh my god. Oh my well, god. Well, Kenyon, what was that store we saw in Minnesota and I wanted to open a bar? Yes. Oh, there was a there was a like thrift store called Finders Keepers, and Lucy oh, yeah. was like, "I want to open a bar across the street called Losers, Losers Weepers." <laughs> Do it. So 
Oh, we can have a pulp and screw night at Losers Weepers where we squeeze fresh juice and it's like a mixer. It's like a, oh my it's God. Like a, a speed dating thing. Our bar would be amazing. Yes. Please donate to our Patreon so we can start a bar called so Losers Weepers. So we can open Weepers. the Losers Weepers in like Baudet, Minnesota. <laughs> Oh it God. was in like Maple Grove. It was. <laughs> uh, but we'd open ours in in Baudet. Okay. So uh, the body was discovered less than two months after they dumped it, and the pair were arrested less than two months after that. The investigation also revealed that Hassan was a, quote, unemployed layabout. <laughs> also going on my epitaph. <laughs> Pseudo-employed layabout. <laughs> who had mooched off his hardworking father for years, even stealing money from his father's bank account and using it to buy properties in his name in Yemen. Hassan oh, poor also... dad. I know. He also continued to help himself to his dead father's pension payments for two years. What an oh asshole. God. Um, Hassan was convicted and sentenced to life in prison in 2007. His appeal was dismissed. So he's bang. Bang, still in prison. <laughs> and Kassan, the grandson, again, was a minor when this happened. He was 17. He was originally sentenced to life in prison, but the judge had failed to take into account the fact that he'd been a minor at the time of the murder. And, the law at the time of the murder did not allow minors to be given life sentences, which mm. has since changed. So anyway, uh, Kassan's sentence was cut from life in prison to just nine years. Oh. Which means that if he's not out already, then he should be out soon. Mm-hmm. He should have gotten out in 2016 if the sentencing was in 2007 or not or before then. Sentencing was before then. So yeah, he's probably out. He's yeah, he's definitely out. We should write to him. Or yeah. not. No, fuck no. I'll he write com- to him. He Go ahead. Dead um, this case anyway. reminds me a lot of that Netflix movie 1912. Have you guys seen it? Or 1921? No. no. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. Oh, it's okay. like a ghost story, but also like kill your family story, but also like it's just very, very tense. It's like a ghost thriller. It's super good. Ooh, right, well, I'm let's gonna wrap check this it up out. so I can get to it. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. Well, that's my case. Love it. Woo. Loved the fuck out of it. Loved the yeah. bunions clean off of it. The bunions. It's actually one of my favorite cases that i've heard is that one that you just did yeah it's good it's nerdy i loved it i will not be living up to that level (laughs) with my case (laughs) but first we'll do some ads hear from our sponsors then we'll get to that third love is here to find the perfect bra for everyone okay It's amazing. Third Love is the industry leader with 70 sizes, including its signature half cup sizes. Hello. And Third Love designs its bras with breast size and shape. Very important Mm -hmm. in mind for an impeccable fit and incredible feel. Thanks to Third Love, I've discovered that my breasts are like trying to escape each other. They are (laughs) east-west facing. That was a harsh realization. Uh, yeah, I took <laughs> Third Love's Fit Finder quiz, mm-hmm. which, you know, we love a good quiz. We just We do. really do. <laughs> 
But my favorite part about this quiz is that it has illustrations of different breast shapes, and one mm-hmm. of those is uneven or yeah. asymmetrical, which Hi. <laughs> applies to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so over 10 million women have taken this quiz to date. That's like amazing. It's, it's an incredible quiz. It's actually fun. It takes less than a minute to complete. Again, love mm-hmm. a good quiz. Mm-hmm. And going back to that breast shape, it really mm-hmm. matters when you're finding a good fit. So they help you narrow it down, and then they give you suggestions about which bra to try out based on your breast size and shape and you know the styles that fit your body. So it's super fun. It makes a huge difference. Again, the asymmetrical. Yeah. <laughs> They're helping me out. They've got my back. Well, they've got my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and Third Love offers double the number of sizes that most other brands offer. Their cups range from A through H and bands up to size 48, oh, which I is love incredible. That. Mm-hmm. And 50% of women fall in between standard cup sizes. So like Amanda said, Third Love invented half cup sizing. Mm-hmm. Bless them. Yeah. They know what we it. need. It's amazing. Like we said, Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Seriously, run, do not walk. Get yourselves the proper over-the-shoulder boulder holder. Go to thirdlove.com forward slash gals now, right now, to find your perfect fitting bra. (laughs) The softest, most fitting bra you will ever get in your life. So soft, so, so comfortable. Um, and again, going to thirdlove.com forward slash gals is going to get you 15% off your first purchase. That's mm-hmm. third, T H I R D, love, L O V E dot com forward slash gals, G A L S, for 15% off right now, today. Sling those gals up in something <laughs> real soft, fitting properly, real comfortable. Treat yo chest. Treat your girls. Mm-hmm. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Mm-hmm. There is something for everyone with HelloFresh's selection. They've mm-hmm. got three plans to choose from. You've got classic, veggie, and family. I get the veggie selection because I feel mm-hmm. like getting... You get a lot more vegetables and foods that maybe I, ha- I don't have experience cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently I made, variety. yeah, I recently made their black bean chili. was Yum. so good. It has like a spicy crema on top. It's perfect mm-hmm. for fall. It was Ooh. extraordinarily delicious. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yum. Yeah, I really love how HelloFresh helps you rediscover the excitement of cooking. I am a terrible cook. <laughs> I am so bad at cooking. You nailed you guys. that mac and it's cheese, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I love how HelloFresh can help me feel confident when I'm cooking with the simple recipes that are outlined on the pictured step by step instruction cards. You cannot mess this up, you guys. It is, they make it so easy for you, and the photos are extremely helpful. Yeah, they are. I Mm -hmm. love using their step-by-step instruction cards because it does, it just lays it all out so easily for you. It's it's hard to mess it up, even for me. Um, And the fact that everything's pre-measured, too, is huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's very little prep. It takes like 30 minutes to make something from start to finish. It's incredible. And HelloFresh believes that cooking should be simple and convenient, not a chore, which I always found cooking to be a chore until starting to use HelloFresh. And like I said, 
you don't spend all night in the kitchen because the recipes only take about 30 minutes and you don't have to agonize over what you're going to cook. It's amazing. It's just ready to go. Mm -hmm. I love it. There are so many benefits of of subscribing and you can keep enjoying HelloFresh week after week. Um, It's great that the account is so easy to manage. uh, So you have the ability to choose your delivery date to match your ever-changing schedule. I know for most folks, schedules are never quite the same week to week. Um, And you can also pause deliveries for when you're on vacation or like traveling for work or whatever life throws at you. Uh, So for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes. Visit Hello. Amazing. So good. Visit HelloFresh.com forward slash GALS60 and enter promo code GALS60. Again, for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com forward slash GALS60 and enter promo code GALS60. HelloFresh is H-E-L-L-O-F-R-E-S-H.com forward slash G-A-L-S-6-0. So I always thought that Me Undies was that really cool underwear brand with the fun, crazy prints, but it wasn't until I actually tried them on Mabad that I realized, yeah. holy shit, they are seriously yeah. the most comfortable thing I've ever worn. That's yeah. no lie. And it's not. And now that fall is here, I'm going nuts over their incredible Halloween prints, which Amanda will oh. expand on. I don't think anyone's going yeah, as she will. nuts as Amanda. About the jackalopards, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but the best part is just how freaking soft they are. It is mm-hmm. unbelievable. They use a micromodal fabric, which is a full, full three times softer than regular cotton. I'm surprised it's only Y'all, free. Honestly. You can feel it on your nethers. <laughs> it's so good. How soft it is. I super, could not it's super believe soft. it. Oh, so soft. And if there's anywhere on your body that you want, like, super soft. It's your nethers. You know. Your downstairs. Your downstairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What? And like Lucy mentioned, me undies love celebrating the fall season with fun Halloween prints. So I have their latest and greatest jack-o'-lantern print undies. They also offer Scott's. Uh, socks, Scots, <laughs> socks and bralettes um, in the same pattern. But I actually wore mine to go see the like thousands of carved pumpkins at the Minnesota Zoo. <laughs> I was so excited to wear my jack o' lantern undies to go see jack o' lantern. flashing passersby? No, but my male companion knew that I was wearing them. <laughs> so exciting. And I was very comfortable the entire time. Amazing. Loved it. Well, Me Undies has a great offer for our listeners. Uh, for any first time purchasers, when you purchase any Me Undies, you get 15% off and free shipping. So this mm. is a no brainer, just like yeah. just like a jack o' lantern. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Jack o' lanterns don't have brains. That was horrible. <laughs> You're um, crazy. <laughs> so you can get 15% off a pair of the most comfortable undies you will ever put on. To that get is a your fi- guarantee. <laughs> to get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to meundies.com slash gals. That is meundies.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S. 
So that is spelled M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com forward slash G-A-L-S. Treat your nethers. Treat your butt. (laughs) Everybody got a butt. (laughs) Okay. My case. At first, all forensic anthropologist Dr. Sharon Derrick had to solve the mystery of ML 73-3349. Oh, my God. Was the body of an unidentified boy found dead more than 35 years ago and the police files from decades old serial killings and a desire to give a name to the nameless victim. Mm, Go, Dr. Derrick. Dr. Derrick. Not intern Derrick. No, Dr. Derrick. And she's going to fuck shit Faces to the faceless. She is. When she started, she knew that this victim was male. He was one of three still unidentified victims of notorious Houston serial killer Dean Coral. Dean Coral was an American serial killer who, along with two teenage accomplices named David Owen Brooks and Elmer Wayne Henley Jr., why do some killers, especially men, just have serial killer names? <laughs> they have yeah. so many names. Elmer like David Wayne Owen Brooks Henley and Jr. Elmer Wayne Henley Jr. Yeah. It's like when yeah. you have your baby, you want it to be a serial killer. Right? It just reminds me of that episode of The Office where the women are trying to teach Dwight how to speak to women. And <laughs> Nellie is like, have you ever killed any women? How many women have you killed? Are you going to kill me? (laughs) The second I heard Elmer Wayne Henley Jr., that line ran through my head. How many women have you killed? Are you going to kill me? Um, The answer is they killed a bunch of women. (laughs) They killed zero women, but abducted, raped, tortured, and murdered at least 28 teenage boys and young men in a series of killings spanning from 1970 to 1973 in Houston, Texas. Jesus. Super fucked. That's a lot of victims. Yeah. He was, for a long time, considered like one of the most prolific serial killers in American history. And then Mm. I think was overshadowed by somebody else, but I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. The crimes became known as the Houston Mass Murders, and they came to light after Henley... Uh, Elmer Wayne Henley Jr. Mm-hmm. fatally shot Dean Coral. Oh, oh shot, shot one of his <laughs> his accomplices. His one murder of his accomplices buddy. turned on him. Mm-hmm. Coral's victims were typically lured to a succession of addresses in which he resided between 1970 and 1973, with an offer of like a party or a ride, the standard shit. Uh, They would then be restrained by either force or deception, and all were killed by either strangulation or shooting with a twenty-two caliber pistol. Coral and his accomplices buried 17 of their victims in a rented boat shed, just a mass grave, like, in the dirt ground of a boat shed. Mm -hmm. Sounds like where we went spelunking, Lucy. Oh, I don't even want to know that. (laughs) Four other victims were buried in woodland near Lake Sam Rayburn, one victim was buried on a beach in Jefferson County, and at least six victims were buried on a beach at, on the Boulevard Peninsula. Brooks and Henley confessed to assisting Coral in several abductions and murders. Both were sentenced to life imprisonment at their subsequent, subsequent trials. Coral was also known as the Candyman and the Pied Piper. Oh. Because he... Yeah. Ew. Because he and his family had owned and operated a candy factory in Houston Heights, and he had been known to give free candy to local children. Jesus Christ. Yep. 
He was no candy king of Chicago, though. Seriously, no. But lots of candy pervs in the world. A lot of candy pervs. So ML 73-3349 was found on August 8th, 1973 in a makeshift grave in the boat stall where, like we said, 17 of Coral's victims had been buried. Um, And they were found apparently the day that Coral was shot and killed by accomplice Elmer Wayne Henley. So that like blew the lid off of everything. And I guess I think he was shot and killed like near that location. So they were able to find it when they were investigating that. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Derek also had a possible name for ML 73-3349. Randall Lee Harvey was a boy who had been reported missing in March of 1971. He'd lived in the Houston neighborhood where the killers lurked. Uh, Randall Harvey was a skinny boy with an unusual overbite. Oh. He was... Sounds like my cat. Sounds like me. (laughs) I would be so easily identified. Not a skinny boy, but the unusual overbite, for sure. And a wonky tooth. Had the voice of a skinny boy, a snaggle tooth, an unusual overbite, (laughs) single and ready to mingle. (laughs) A lot of cheese in those bones. Oh, my God. My bones are 80% cheese. (laughs) That's where I get my calcium. And basically the moon. I am the moon. Um, so Randall was 15 when he vanished from his neighborhood. Um, on March 9th, 1971, he'd left his home in the Heights for the last time to ride his bike to work at a Fina or Fina gas station in the Oak Forest area, about three miles from his house. So it was not far and he would just bike there for work and then come home. It's Fina. It's China. (laughs) China said that. Sorry, I had to. I had to say it. She said you called her China for three hours. (laughs) Her name's Gina. China said that. Um, anyway, back to the sadness. Sorry. Uh, the 15 year old finished work that night, then disappeared. He never made it home. His mother reported him missing two days later. This is the seventies. I probably would have reported my 15 year old son missing a little earlier, but who knows? (laughs) Yeah. You know, what's going on? It could be. I feel like when parents call the cops, to report a missing child, the cops are like, it has to be 48 hours. They like, hang It doesn't up. though. That's like a myth. Is it a but 24 hour? You can file a report. It used to be like not an immediate thing. Well, whatever. Yeah. It's possible that the cops did not file anything the first time they called if they called before. Right. Then. I don't know. Anyway. Right. Um, it took a minute for them to call him in missing um his bicycle was never found and that he had just vanished like there was not evidence until obviously all of these bodies were found in that shed Mm -hmm. um ever since three victims who could not all who also could not be identified have been laying in that refrigerated storage unit at the harris county in a refrigerated storage unit at the harris county medical examiner's office so they had held on to these remains for decades Wow. Still trying to like poke around and see what they could figure out. Um, What they did know is that ML 73 3349 had been shot in the head with a 22 caliber caliber rifle, Mm -hmm. which would match what they used, those killers used to kill all those boys. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Derek set out to find uh, Randall Harvey's relatives. Decades obviously had gone by, so people who might have known the family in Houston had either moved away or passed away. A lot of people had died. Um, uh, Dr. Derek spotted a newspaper article about a f- member of uh, 
Rand- Randall's family. So she called that person, and that person led her to his two sisters, Donna Lor- Lovrek and Lenore McNeil. Mm-hmm. Um, their mother, Frances Conley, had died more than 10 years ago, never knowing what had happened to her son, which is That's very sad. so sad. Sorry, take some water. <clears throat> Finally, in October of 2008... Authorities officially identified ML 73-3349 as Randall Lee Harvey, which ended his three decades in limbo sitting in that morgue. Nice. Mm. It took a few months, but we wanted it to be right for the family. It's good for them to know, but it's hard for them to have concrete evidence, so that makes me sad, said Dr. Derek. I'm just very glad to be able to help return him to his family. Yeah, it's very So they identified him using DNA tests, skeletal analysis, um, and some circumstantial evidence to help lead Harvey's official identification, to his official identification. But Dr. Derek's facial reconstruction mm. was what truly confirmed what had happened to this yes. poor boy and who this boy was. So if you go to the drive, I also have one of those mm. terrifying molds yeah. of him. Oh, which so one? It's like the second photo. He's got some real 70s hair. It doesn't look like he has eyebrows. Big brown eyes. I oh, that's to, Ollie. <laughs> I was like, um, he doesn't look fresh. No, but you can put these like there's an actual picture of him when he was 15. And then the reconstruction years later, based on his remains, uh, they're pretty close. Yeah. Like, the nose is pretty on point. Obviously, the hair is very different, but it's a little, little spooky. The nose is like why he has a wide nose mm-hmm. and the lips. Yeah. Yeah. They it was pre- good. It's pretty interesting to actually see the photos next to each other. Yeah. Um, one of Coral's two teenage accomplices, David Owen Brooks, who is still in prison, still alive and in prison, paused when he saw the reconstruction of Harvey's face, telling forensic anthropologist Dr. Sharon Derrick that while he could not remember the boy's name, he did know that they had killed the teen and that he had been shot in the head with a 22 caliber weapon, which matches the wound to the boy's skull. Mm. Um, Randall also had a nylon cord tied around his neck, which was also like conducive to how they would do these killings. Part of their MO. Mm-hmm, exactly, exactly. Randall's two sisters, now in their 50s, also acknowledged a lock of his hair and a jacket found with his body. Um, so that was some more circumstantial evidence. Like, of course, there's not necessarily a way to prove that all of that is, is his, but it's like this is a jacket that he had. So mm-hmm. that just helps corroborate that the remains are his. They recalled that he wore boots and carried a comb similar to the boots and comb that were recovered with his remains. Remember back in the day when boys would carry a little comb? Yeah. Yeah. My dad did that for years and then was like, wait a minute, I don't have any hair. (laughs) (laughs) Combing his phantom hair. Yeah, he still had phantom hair. Combing his ear hair. His one hair. (laughs) His Uh, Homer (laughs) Simpson hairs. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, excuse me. Um, one of the sisters bore a strong resemblance to the characteristics seen in Harvey's facial reconstruction, which like is kind of unfortunate, but still interesting that the reconstruction not only looked like him, but looked like members of his family, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, Yeah, that's wild. Um, Quote, putting those factors all together made a very strong case for identification, said Dr. Derek. Taken as a whole, it was very convincing. Um, The Harris County Medical Examiner's Office renewed its efforts to identify Harvey and then the two other still unknown victims of Coral's killing spree and opened its forensic anthropology unit in September of 2006. So it 
put a lot more resources into these kinds of investigations, mm. um, including the hiring of Dr. Jennifer Love, not Hewitt, but Dr. Jennifer Love. <laughs> the office's forensic anthropology director said her division was asked to go through all the remains at the morgue that had not yet been, not yet received skeletal analysis, which was about a hundred bodies. Whoa. Yikes. So they're combing back through a hundred bodies that are still sitting in the morgue that haven't been identified to apply these like sciences of skeletal analysis to see if they can also maybe find some of these people, which I think is well, really cool. Yeah. Potentially a hundred um, families could get answers. Like yeah, that's amazing. Seriously. The bodies of Harvey and the other two unidentified boys had been there the longest. She said, quote, these were the oldest remains still being housed here. Um, Brooks who knew Harvey is now serving 99 years in prison. So one of the teenage accomplices knew this kid. Mm. Is that and why they targeted him? I don't know because they also targeted so many other people. I'm not sure, but it's also possible that maybe one of these accomplices, Brooks, brought this kid to Coral's attention. It was like, hey, let's go have a beer by this. Let's grab Elmer Wayne Henley Jr. and kill this mm -hmm. friend of mine. I can lure him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, After Harvey disappeared, one of his sisters heard rumors that Brooks was going to kill him because of a stolen stereo. Oh, God. Some reports. And police reports showed a tipster told investigators that he thought the boy had been killed by Brooks. So there were there were tips and signs, rumors, and ideas that this is what had happened, but there wasn't enough physical evidence to, to do anything about it. That is so goddamn frustrating. It's so frustrating. Like I get it, but it's so fucking frustrating when you're looking in retrospect at yeah to have been that close Jesus, to it yeah and just not able to do anything about it but i mean that's the justice system and there are reasons there are reasons for that that i get but it is that would be really hard mm-hmm. um over the years the medical examiner's office tried to solve the mystery efforts to extract dna from harvey's bones in 1991 failed and then failed again in 2004 they're just huh. not even then was there really the technology on remains that were already this old to successfully extract the the amount of DNA that they needed for analysis to get real information on who this kid was, apparently. Mm. But in 2006 and 2007, the University of North Texas Center for Human Identification managed to successfully extract enough DNA from his remains, and mitochondrial DNA tests at the same lab matched samples submitted in May from Harvey's two sisters. Mm. So they were able to confirm that they were related. But... Their profile is very common among Caucasians, which is white people, mm-hmm. um, with one out of every 12 or 13 white people having a similar profile. So it, it's like this mitochondrial DNA can show this map, but that map could also match yeah, thousands of other white folks. Specific. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't necessarily confirm. It doesn't exclude. Exactly. Right. Harvey and his sisters also shared characteristics in their nuclear DNA, but again, those traits are commonly found among the white population. So mm-hmm. it took that and a lot of other factors to be like, yes, this is your brother. They were bad um, at dancing. They loved exactly. Whole Foods. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the test results combined with anthropological analysis of Harvey's remains and the circumstantial evidence made the medical examiner's office comfortable enough to identify the boy and able to bring the family a little closure about what happened to him, which is horrible closure because he died like a terrible death at the hands of a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but that's better than nothing after all these years. I it'd mean, be hard to not know. Yeah. And also, when you don't know, you're just imagining things that are probably far worse than that. 
I would rather have one solid concrete answer, even if it's really, really hard to swallow, than just not knowing and just wondering and imagining all yeah, sorts too. of scenarios. Me too. And I mean, of course, it's hard to hear that something so tragic happened to your child or your friend or your loved one. But it, I don't know. I feel like there's so much a part of the healing process that's like, okay, now I can work through this trauma because I know what it is. Right. And try to get my life back. I think it would be really hard to just have your kid disappear. I mean, I feel for his mom. The poor thing died not even knowing what happened to him. He was yeah. just gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, 15. Ugh. And I you know. might, I mean, she probably, she might have had moments of feeling guilty. Like, did he run away? Right. You know, mm-hmm. not even that he was necessarily dead. No. And as a parent, you probably want to keep thinking there's the possibility, the hope that your child is alive somewhere out in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just like, fuck. But I suppose much. the ne- next best thing is that he died a relatively quick death. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. So sad. Oh, People wow. are monsters, but they found him and they identified him. And forensic anthropology is cool. And those facial reconstruction claymation things are really creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super mm-hmm. creepy. Especially <laughs> when they're halfway finished and they have creepy egg yolk eyeballs. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's it? Wallace and Gromit, but forensic anthropology style. <laughs> Cheese, Gromit. Gromit. <laughs> oh my God. Not oh. even Wensleydale. Oh my God. <laughs> Peniston. Shall we to Not Peniston, Gromit? <laughs> oh my God. All right. On that note, special thanks this week, especially to our fan picker, Colette Smith, for picking Forensic Anthropology. We got to nerd out on this one. We and love you, Colette Smith. We love you, Governor. Good Wouldn't job. It be lovely. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for giving me an episode to nerd the fuck out on. I love it. <laughs> Did you just hear my burps? burps? <laughs> it's been a long episode. <laughs> Thanks, Colette. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Better out than in, right? Next Patreon supporter, Rachel. I know you agree with me. And that's why you give us $5 a month. Better Thank out you. than in. <laughs> yeah, Shrek said it. I'm saying it. It's real. Okay. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, Shrek, Amanda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You don't burp. Better out than in. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, Shrek, Amanda Jacobs. Okay. Aaron Jacobs. Aaron Jacobs. <laughs> Aaron, great quote. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you for the brilliant quote. It's, it's so layered. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate your support. You get all of the credit for that. Shout out to Candice Olevnik. We love you, Candace Olevnik. <laughs> the Candace man can. Oh We're going to call you Candy. Mm. And thank you, Kendra. Mm. You're, you're like Kesha. You don't <laughs> need a last name because you're so important. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate you. Love it. We also appreciate Candace Thompson. Two, can- got two candies today. Can-do attitude, Candace. Just in time for Halloween, we're getting all our candy out. Oh, candy. my God. All right, I'm pretty sure this comes out after Halloween. Okay. Um. I know, but we've recorded it before <laughs> Halloween, okay? <laughs> okay? Shout out to Lauren Mangan. Okay. I'm manging on for dear life. 
Oh, God. We all yeah, you are. are. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon Burke. You and I both know Burke killed JonBenet Ramsey. And you yeah. had a dog Thanks named Burke. Thanks for confirming those suspicions with your $5 a month donation. <laughs> also another Madonna-esque individual, Mackenzie. Mm. Mm. No last name required. Don't need no last name. Mm-hmm. You are driving us Kinsey with your mm. <laughs> $5 a month. Love it. Shout out to Alexandria Purcell. You are... Pur- purdy. You are purdy. <laughs> <laughs> Doing my best. Nailed it. <laughs> and special thanks to Aoife Brady. Mm-hmm. Bless your sweet little heart for that pronunciation guide, though I do have one friend named Aoife, so I would have gotten that one anyway. Really? To my credit. I was way yes. off in my head. Oife? I, I don't know. Aoife? <laughs> I got no. Aoife? <laughs> Hermione? Aaron? <laughs> Hermione. <laughs> That's what I thought Hermione was for the first like two books oh, yeah. until the movies came <laughs> Me out. Too. And I was uh, like, this makes more sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what also makes sense? Wow. Aubrey Copeland. Mm. Mm. You make so much sense with your five dollars a month donation. Five hundred cents. My dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you um, so much. Shout out to Taya O'Donnell. Um, Chris O'Donnell, distant relation. <laughs> distant relation. Refreshing as an a introduction. Glass of iced Taya. Yes, Ooh. you are. You're a sweet Taya. Mm. Oh, sweet Taya. Love it. <laughs> Madison Scott, I'm just going to call you Michael Scott for the rest of this moment where I say your name. <laughs> Thank you, Michael Scott, for your $5 a month donation. Michael Gary Scott, The Office. It's the greatest show of all. <laughs> Michael Scott. Olivia Flick. Ooh. I think flick might be Amanda's favorite word used in various yeah. contexts. Olivia Let's wrap bean this up so flick. I can flick it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Roll that beautiful bean footage. Well, bean footage. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, oh Olivia, God. for your $5 a month. Oh, my God. We're so sorry. Uh, thank you to Bronwyn Turnbull Innes. Giving six dollars and sixty six cents a month. So You're absolutely incredible. Scottish. Super like, Scottish, uh, and like a witch. Way mm-hmm. better, Miss Turnbull. And six dollars and sixty six cents. I mean, I feel like you just nailed it all around. Good job, Hello. Bronwyn. Teach us how to time travel. I love everything about <laughs> this. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Holly Erickson. Mm-hmm. Have a Holly Jolly Erickson. <laughs> it's the best time of the year. And you give $10 and you get a wine glass and it's going to be the best. <laughs> Nailed it. Had some wine. <laughs> nice. Do you also have a song for Fran Toomey? Sure don't. <laughs> Sock it to me, Fran. Sock to it to me. <laughs> You're our best Fran. Be my friend. Thank you so much. (laughs) Shout out to Clara Sutherland. Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. (laughs) It's she's actually south of Sutherland. Southerland. She's souther than Sutherland. Clearly. (laughs) She's clearly south of Sutherland. We're crushing this. Um, Sam Hustler, Hustler, like Hustler without the L. Huster. Nailed it. Huster. No. Oh, Huster. (laughs) I can't. 
<laughs> do it. Sam Huster. Like hustler without the L. We'll try to Huster. muster the energy to get through your shout out. Colonel Huster. Thank you for your $10 donation, you beautiful queen. Sam A. Thank you also to Ashley. Geo Gigan. 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 Geo Good God, your last name is hard to pronounce. <laughs> Ashley did. I'm pretty sure Ashley wrote to us and was like, I will give you a $75 once off donation if you pronounce my last name correctly without a pronunciation I guide. Think we blew it. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me that so I have time to Google it? Nope. Well, it's done. Goff. I'm going, I'm going with Goff again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. Uh, is it my turn? Renee Wan, we want to be near you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to get a fucking patriarchy we wine glass. We want to thank you for your $10 <laughs> a month donation. You cheer us up when we're feeling wan. <laughs> and I don't like flan. <laughs> I do. And Jessica Meadow, Meadow, there's a bright golden haze <laughs> on the meadow. <laughs> Brigadoon, I'm guessing. I don't know, actually. Fucking Surrey with a fringe oh, on okay. top up in here. <laughs> Soon be moving to a brand new state. New state. Brand new brand state. Brand new state. It's gonna be Gonna great. treat your cry. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Tarantino, where the Dustin Tarantino. I love. Yeah, in it's a cool name. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredibly. <laughs> uh, shout out to Amy Anderson for incre- <laughs> for increasing your donation from five to ten dollars a month. You want that wine glass, girl, and you gotta get it. Blessed be. Love it. And. Trash Quen, Catherine Keitzel, mm-hmm. gonna be getting some of that trash in the mail. Sweet, sweet, dusty garbage. <laughs> You've earned it, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Treat yourself. <laughs> uh, you know who else has earned that dusty, dusty trash? Nicole Martin. Yes. Mm. You are you, smartin' for donating at that tier. Yeah, you are <laughs> You're smartin'. smartin'. <laughs> So dumb. <laughs> Is it my turn? Round yes. it out. Bethany yep. Beatty, like Warren Beatty. You're a beauty. You're Ooh. not so vain. I thought you just misspelled beauty. Mm, Bethany, Bethany beauty. beauty. $10 once off. Because you can also, if you don't want to give a monthly donation, you can buy a once-off donation via our online store, wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com. Thank you so much. It's so gall darn convenient. Mm-hmm. And you know what else is gall darn convenient? Uh, our incredible sponsor, Talkspace. Mm. And for $45 off your first month of Talkspace, go to Talkspace.com forward slash gals. Treat your brain. Treat it. See y'all next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. 
More importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. We are a totally independent show, so if you'd like to support us and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Hi, everybody. This is I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam. Hello! Okay, four things people need to know right off the top, Lisa. Tell them. 20 years, besties. (laughs) Woohoo! Two. We're almost 50. No, Samantha, stop that. Just stop that. You're almost 50. Whatever. Three, we podcast from my car. We're sitting inside your car right now. Four, we're from Canada. We're from the heart of the prairies. We're from Saskatchewan. And if you're unsure if that's a real place, just Google it. Yeah, but we also bring you a new episode every single Friday. We do. It's about an hour long, but you know what? Time goes by quick because we're just two crazy women bantering, talking about lighthearted topics, talking over each other all the time. We argue, we disagree, but we always go back to laughing. We do. We just want to be the least stressful part of your week. Exactly. So you can listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, and any other podcast app that you have. We're all over social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 